Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Welcome to another week of the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're excited to be here today with Dan Davis from Sturry. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, yeah, we're excited about it. So uh, to start off with, let's just get the 30-second pitch on what STURRY is. Yeah, STURRY stands for Stories That Stir. Um, so we do films that are emotionally inspiring and, and evoke lots of emotion. If, if you watch one of our films, you'll understand that. And we connect uh, brands, nonprofits with the, the people they're trying to reach emotionally. And all of our stories will evoke that emotion and get them engaged in, in the way that they want to engage with powerful stories. And that's, that's all we do. We don't do normal commercials, any of that stuff. It's powerful stories. Hmm. And they typically use those videos, your audience, for like their clientele and on vi- on websites or where, where do they use these? Yeah, like we, I used to answer that question really simply, but but uh, it's so many of the, the clients that we've had are so diverse that they've used it in so many different ways. Imagine Dragons is one of our clients and we tell all of their stories for their pediatric cancer nonprofit and they use it at a gala and we've helped them raise 10 plus million dollars, you know, through the power of story. So that's one use case. And then uh, other clients use it to roll out new products. They, you know, want people to engage with who the company is um, and their vision before they just, you know, launch a new product and say, here's, here's what we, here's a widget that we sell. They want to uh, tell the backstory to that. So there's so many different ways that people use it. And now with the the landscape of social media, we do lots of short stories, uh, and we weren't doing that seven years ago when we started. So, yeah, lots of different ways to use it, and it's it's really effective at getting the, the right kind of engagement with your, your brand. That's cool. Yeah, we're using YouTube shorts um, a lot, and I'm looking over here at Dalton because that's what we even use for this podcast, and they seem to they, they perform really well, actually. Yeah. So um, interesting that you're doing that. Yeah. So your goal then is to take – the company and tell the story to create emotion, tears or fun or, you know, whatever, so that they want to take action yeah. in some way, right? Yeah, and do it in a way that's just raw and vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. We have a unique process that, that stirs, just like our name, the emotions within the storyteller mm-hmm. to get them to share those things that maybe they wouldn't normally share or haven't shared or share things they have shared, but in a way that will resonate with people. Um, and just crafting that story with the story processes, we've just found over and over again, if we just follow that, it creates the end result for us and them. And it's content we want to share on our own platforms because they're just great stories. So did you know that you wanted to be in this space? Were you like always driven to be a creative? Were you driven to be an entrepreneur? Like what, what brought you to this point? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Um, and uh, until really the last 10 years when I got into film. But prior to that, I was I was an entrepreneur at heart, always have been. I, I remember as a young kid thinking I can work at Dairy Queen like some of my friends or, you know, work for their dad's business, whatever it was, in construction or whatever. Or I could go create my own business and make more money than them. <laughs> And I wasn't money driven. I was just, I wanted to utilize my time in a way that I felt like I could control my own destiny. And that's the only way I could describe it. That was just something that was 
was inside of me. And once I started making money, I realized, oh, I can pay for my my church mission. I can pay for my own car. I can pay for college. And I had all that stuff paid for at a pretty young age because I, I just had control of my destiny. Somebody else wasn't telling me this many hours equals this much pay. So I did the traditional lawn mowing and landscaping. I started sports camps as a uh, college student. I did Christmas lights. I did all these different things that I just had to focus for this. Uh, it was this extreme focus for a limited amount of time with high reward. And I'm like, I really like this because then I can still live the lifestyle I need to, um, to, to get good grades in school, to have a family, all those things. And little did I know that that wasn't always going to be the case with all of the businesses that I've started, but uh, at least gave me a foundation to, to say, okay, I like being in control of my own destiny. This is something I'm going to just do the rest of my life. Hmm. So you like, I mean, the money is nice. It's a nice side benefit, but you like the freedom and the control to create your own destiny. That's, that's what drives you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know what, like to a fault money doesn't drive me. Sometimes I have to be really careful about that because you do have to have this balance. Um, I'm very purpose driven and, and I, I would, I don't want to speak for all purpose driven, you know, founders, CEOs, uh, entrepreneurs, but at the end of the day, sometimes you can let that drive too much of the conversation and you're not providing for your family or not providing for those that work for you. Um, and I've struggled with that over the years because I feel like I'm in alignment sometimes when our, our company isn't, you know, performing as well as it should. And so you really have to have a check-in all the time and have good mentors and coaches and people that can push you within your company to say, okay, we still need to perform at a high level. So everybody's taken care of. So we're not just out there, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and <laughs> having a party because <laughs> we're doing something good and meaningful. We've, we've got to actually make this sustainable so we can do more good. Fascinating. So you're very purpose driven and, and, uh, I mean, that's perfect alignment with Sturry, right? I mean, your storytelling and that's finding the purpose and, and telling that purpose or at least promoting that purpose. So very cool. I love your Thanks. branding, by the way. Thanks. It looks great. I, did you get the URL story.com? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's kind amazing. of funny. I had, I had like had taken out so many credit cards to start my business and we finally figured out what the name was going to be. And, and that was just such a tedious process because so many people buy all these domains with the, especially the ones that are, four or five letter domains, they were like just gone. And uh, so when we named it Sturry, I was really excited. Um, and I had some people weighing in on that name and I knew it had to do something with stories and emotion. And so I'm all excited and then I go online and see that it's, I can't remember how much I paid, but multiple thousands <laughs> for it. And I was like, oh man, no money left. <laughs> you spent all your money on the yeah, domain. And I was like, I, I've already spent all this money making some films and, you know, kind of getting the business going. And, and then I just had to go into more debt to buy the, the domain. But it's a, it's, it's something I've never looked, you know, back and, and regretted because I, I feel like our brand stands for something. The name stands for something. And that was really important to me. And and uh, we just renewed our trademark and, you know, all that stuff. And it's nice when you get past that time where nobody can, you know, come after you for the name if they've used it in the past or something. And so we're free and clear with that and excited about um, just what it means and, and how we can just keep building on that. Very cool. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to one thing you said just a minute ago. So one of your clients is Imagine Dragons yeah. and Qualtrics and some other pretty big names in the area, right? How have you been able to land those kind of contracts? I mean, I know a lot of videographers and they would kill to work with those kind of people. So how, what have you done different to get those folks? Yeah. I mean, you, if you want those big brands, you, um, either have really good marketing or you become beggars and you try to knock down those doors over and over again. And I just realized from my experience in film before that like, if you just create really good content, people start paying attention to you. And we started creating really good content from the very beginning and it started to perform. We didn't have these viral videos you hear about or anything like that, but they were really engaging and people on YouTube, I remember looking at the stats, I had never done this before, but our content, people, 90% of people were watching um, 100% of the, the films that we made. And, and our film's average length was like three to like eight minutes. And so I was like, we're keeping people engaged. And I remember talk, talking to this uh, marketing executive at this one of these companies, and he said, well, people don't watch videos past 30 seconds. That's what he told me. And he's like, I don't think your films work. And I'm like, hold on, time out. <laughs> Let me just show you. People watch these stories. And one of our stories at the time had like, I think it was 16,000 views, but 90% of the people watched all the way through. And I said, would you rather have 16,000 people right here in your office paying attention for five minutes? Or would you rather have a viral video where people paid attention for three seconds? And that's what we realized we had. We were onto something. We could keep people engaged with these stories like no other ads could. Um, and I don't even remember your question now because I got derailed derailed myself with that story but well just being able to get these clients yeah. that no one else can get you know yeah and, and uh if i ever get off track you can always just you know push me back <laughs> we but, like it that way yeah. you just follow I'm you casual Squirrel. Like that, we do it all yeah. the time <laughs> but that was what was cool is our our stories you know like we didn't have this big magical win like some, you know a lot of entrepreneurs you know talk about like this big break we haven't had that yet um, we've had good clients. We've had great storytellers, amazing people we've worked with. And it's just been this this slow grind. Um, and we've attracted these brands because our stories are, are just that good, you know, and not just performing from a st standpoint of like YouTube metrics or analytics, but we make people cry. We make people emotional and they, they want to share these stories with other people because it changes their life. And our metric is actually, does anybody have a perspective moment with this film? And if they have one of those, and that's just a, a moment where all of a sudden the way you see your own story and the, the stories of those around you change, then we've done our job. And we've just, we've stayed true to that metric with every piece of content we've made. If somebody can have a perspective moment, we think it'll work. Yeah, we've had a few of those people on the podcast that when they're talking about a story or they're they're going through as you know the background of them founding their company, they've made that comment like, "Oh man, this is awesome. I haven't thought about this for a long time or this was impactful." And and they've made comments after the show too. Uh so I think just being able to tell your story that's that's really fun. Um are there any clients that stick out that like as you went through the process that you like either heard something crazy or like learned something crazy about their company or they kind of remembered something crazy that had happened? Oh man. Um, I, I can think of one, uh, people around here might know Derek Maxfield, um, that started unique, um, yeah, and sure. the unique foundation, which is now Sapria. Um, we were hired to tell his story. 
which was a tall task. Uh, it was a big story, and, and um, they had had a lot of people tell his story on, on lots of different national platforms, and he had told his story on a lot of uh, platforms. And um, I was just excited to dive into it and direct that story. And I don't direct all the films now, but I direct uh, um, a few of them. And back then I was doing all of them. And um, I got done with this interview and didn't think anything of it. It was a great experience. It, like, I, you know, we got him into the right emotions. I took him through the story process. And he, like, cameras were off. And he was like, whoa, wow. And, and we were kind of like, oh, what's he going to say next? He said, I've been interviewed so many times. And he's like, that was so good. That was so different. Um, and that was the best interview I've ever had. And I looked at that and I went, it was just a light bulb moment for us. Like, he's saying that not because we're, the, we're like Barbara Walters or something and have interviewed thousands of people, but he, we just we come into it with the right intention. And he felt that intentionality and felt free to share his story. And we created that safe environment. And it was fun to kind of hear that from somebody that shared their story so many times. Um, and then uh, Imagine Dragons has been a fun one to get their feedback because we they premiere our film at their gala every year in Vegas. And this last year, a friend of yours, Curtis Morley, uh, we took him with us. He's um, Shout out to Curtis, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Curtis is awesome. Um, <laughs> We took him with us to this gala and we're like, you got to see this. Um, they will premiere our film and then raise money for cancer right after it. And they, they have just used that recipe for the last six years since we worked with them. So we we work with the foundation, find these great stories, go produce them. And the premiere happens at that um, at that gala. And we're on this rooftop um, in Vegas with 800 people. And it's just amazing to watch. You can hear the tears. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. You can just hear the emotion in the room. And uh, Curtis afterwards is like, that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> to just see everybody react in that way. And it's been fun because Shaq uh, is usually there. Um, and he, he's massive, by the way. I'm 6'2", and I thought I was tall. And I played basketball, and I looked at him, and I'm like, he would squash me like a bug. <laughs> but he he knows about our films, and afterwards he was meeting with um, the band manager for lunch, and he said, "Whoever does those films, don't ever let them go." Wow, um, that's a great Dan, testimonial. Yeah, I was like, "Can you get that on camera <laughs> yeah. for us?" Say that one more time, will you? <laughs> and then Dan Reynolds, you know, the lead singer of Imagine Dragons, just was like, you know, giving us feedback after every yeah, the band does, um, and the foundation sends that back to us, and they're just like. You know, what are they going to do next year kind of a thing. Um, we loved that story. It, it, it was really powerful. That was one of the best films. And so we're just like, we're, we're in this constant race to try to like <laughs> You've set a really out of the park again. And we're yeah. like, man, this park, the, the field's getting bigger and bigger. We got it. The fence is getting further. You're setting a really high <laughs> yeah. standard for yourself. Yeah, yeah that's So we're crazy. excited because we just got back from Vegas filming the one for this year's gala. And oh, wow. uh, it's it's an incredible story. And so we're like, oh man, I think we're going to knock it out of the park again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We're even more yeah. excited about this one. Yeah, exactly. Where where can the audience that's listening now, where can they see those films? Where are they? Yeah, uh, so do you have a repository somewhere? Like yeah, we, we do. We're actually, that's part of our shift that's happening in our business right now is putting all these films and shorts that we've created on a platform. Mm -hmm. um, we've been utilizing other people's platforms like Instagram and YouTube, and we're at their mercy. And we're kind of 
tired of being at their mercy. We want to help more people and, and distribute the content in a way that'll be um, more of a uh, disconnecting experience. And, and so right now you can see it on Sturry, um, at, uh, at Sturry on Instagram, on YouTube, um, at Sturry and Facebook, and then Sturry.com. Um, but really, like I said, we, we can't control those environments. And so it's been hard to distribute our content when people are watching funny cat videos and we're trying to get people to have perspective moments that change their life. And it's hard to compete with that on those platforms. Yeah, for sure. Do you, so going back to this, you know, this gala that you did with Imagine Dragons. So the point was to raise money for, you said cancer awareness or something. Is that what I, yeah, it's pediatric cancer pediatric, okay. uh, is the nonprofit and it help they help with the financial planning for families that are going through a cancer diagnosis and then financial support as well for those families. So what was the result? What did they raise? I, I don't know if you can talk about that, but yeah, that's fine. Um, they're, it's pretty fun because that's always the number we want to hear at the end of the night. We're like, okay. And this last year, um, they raised, uh, they raised over $3 million in one night. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That's 3.8, cool. I think is what their final number was in one night. That's incredible. <laughs> Very impactful and, videos. And, and it's cool because we started with them six years ago and I feel like we were just kids back then, you know, with the foundation cause they were new too. And we were new as a company and um, they were used to raising, I think it was 500,000 and 800,000. Then the first year we worked with them, it was 1.2 million. And then it was like 2.3 and then 3.2. I mean, it just, it just kept, kept going up and up. Yeah. And it's just, it, it hasn't changed. The format hasn't changed. It's just one night where we show our films. Um, they have a few people speak, the band plays and raise a ton of money. And so it's been fun to watch that escalate. You've got a formula for success. Now just scale it, right? I know. Yeah. And we, I'm like, we talked to all these other nonprofits and I'm like, I am telling you, you don't need a, like we love Imagine Dragons. We love our partnership with them, but you don't have to have an Imagine Dragons to, to raise lots of money for a cause or build a really powerful brand. You just got to tell better stories and tell the right stories and tell them in, in a, just a more effective way than what you're doing. And, and we've watched that, not just with them, but all these other groups say, I don't know if this will work. And then we do a story with them and they're like, wow, we raised a lot of money that, you know, that night. And it's fun to watch just the, the fruits of your labors. Cause I think oftentimes as an entrepreneur, you don't get to see that firsthand. Mm. We kind of buzzed right through this part of your story. Uh, but I'd love to know like what you made the shift and like your degree wasn't in, Mark video, it wasn't in film. Yeah. yeah. So how did you make the shift to Sturry and like, what was that process like? Uh, It was super painful (laughs) because what was your degree by the way? uh, My degree was in business, business uh, business management. Uh, and my focus was entrepreneurship. Um, and I, I did a lot of sports marketing and training. That was what my background was. And that's what I started my first company in. And I thought I would do that for a long time. And I ended up not finding as much purpose in that as I thought I would. Um, and part of that was losing my, my drive after I had a really unfortunate experience um, that really caused my business to, to go down. And um, something that was a little bit out of my control, some of it you know, led to, to some things that were in, in my control, but I, that business failed miserably. And so I was like, well, what do I do now? And uh, oddly enough, I applied when, when uh, the recession was happening in 2000. I think this was 2010, but if you remember, things were still not very pretty in 2010. There were a lot of people still looking for jobs. 
And that was right when my business failed. And uh, I applied to this film. Perfect timing. Yeah, right? yeah, perfect timing <laughs> to be unemployed, <laughs> no yeah. health insurance, oh, all that stuff. And uh, I remember just thinking, well, what am I going to do? This this was not according to plan. And th- now I laugh at that because I'm like, nothing is according to plan <laughs> in the entrepreneur life. But um, business failed. I started applying to jobs on KSL and was like, oh, I never wanted to do this. I always wanted to run my own business. And now I'm just got my tail between my legs and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I applied to, to be kind of a business manager of this film production company. And I thought that seems pretty cool. Um, why not? The salary was not great. Um, benefits were okay, but I was kind of like, it's better than this right now, <laughs> which is no income. And they told me when I interviewed that there were like over 350 applicants in the first couple of hours of posting that. And they said attorneys, former attorneys that had lost everything during the recession, um, I mean, just people that were the high caliber leaders at companies were applying for this. I think it started out at like 50 something thousand dollars a year. And I just, I mean, through some divine intervention, made it through that noise and got an interview and got that job. And um, that job changed my life forever. It turned me on to this awesome opportunity to use film to make a difference. Um, We were doing mostly commercial work, but we had like 5% 5% of our work that we were doing, like meaningful projects, like a docu- or, uh, feature film that we worked on. And I was like, I can see myself doing this for a really long time. So that that's how I made the shift from being an entrepreneur to that. And I, I got to, that job was not just a business manager position. It was like run this business for the director. And I it felt very entrepreneurial to me. And so fortunately, I was able to, to to help scale that company and, and do well there. But unfortunately, 95% of our work was just commercials. And I and, and I would do these films and at the end of them be like, so what? We sold a lot of widgets for somebody using film. We're not doing good. And so I ended up leaving that company, running a healthcare company for a little while. And then... Well, and I think that goes back to your mission, like you're purpose-driven and yeah, you feel the yeah. purpose, right? That's exactly what it was. And I, I, I didn't feel that. You know, I felt the excitement of it for a while, but that wore off. So then I, I interrupted you. So you were, no, you right. went on to, uh, you said a health. Yeah, health I, I became the, thing. it's kind of crazy to look back and we laugh at it now, um, CEO of a healthcare company in Arizona and um, moved our family down there and everything, just not the right fit for me. It was, it felt very purpose driven. It felt like, you know, what we were supposed to do at the time. And it was, we made the right decision. Um, but I only lasted about a year doing that and just total burnout, um, wasn't really my purpose. And, uh, really what led me to Sturry was being unemployed in between that and starting Sturry for several months, trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? And, and ironically enough, the full circle moment was really just, I found out what my story was and what my purpose was. And that led me to start a company that helped other people do that. And that was the whole premise is I had to be unemployed and <laughs> really poor and uh, have a lot of debt and be really humbled um, in that experience to like figure out what I was supposed to do, meant to do versus what I, I could do. I think it's cool that you were at a point where like your back was against a wall and that's when you started the company. Cause it's not always that way. Like a lot of, a lot of times people start companies when they have 
a nest egg or they have some money built up or they have kind of some flexibility in a job. So it's cool yeah. to hear that you like, you were like in the trenches and you're like, ah, oh, we're doing this thing. So that's yeah, awesome. I, I see you smiling, but I think it sounds like you might know the, that from personal experience, you know, or, you know, at least I've <laughs> definitely seen it. Yeah. Watched and seen that from people because it's, it's a weird time. It is a scary time. It, it seems like really messed up when you have a family to do that to your family. <laughs> I can't think of another way to put it. Um, but I, I am super blessed and I get emotional talking about my wife every time because uh, my wife had the same inspiration on the same day I did about starting a company. And when I physically came to her and said, you know, this is what I feel called to do, what I'm meant to do. I didn't even know what the company was at the time. I just said, I feel like I'm supposed to step back into this type of role. My purpose is here. And she was like crying already. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> Not for real. I'm going to get a job tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I actually have another job offer. We're going to be fine, you know. And uh, when I came to her, she had had that same inspiration just hours earlier and said, I know that's what you're supposed to do. And so I know that's not always the case for people that are in a relationship or have partners. And so I feel really blessed that my wife supported that because um, now I get, to, I get to live my purpose every single day. And it's only because my wife believed in me and still believes in me no matter how hard it gets. That's incredible. Love those stories. Um, seems like um, most of the time, more times than not anyway, uh, in this podcast especially, those that uh, have have reached a certain level of success or they've found themselves or they've started a great company or whatever the case may be, there's always someone even greater behind them, pushing them along, you know? Yeah. So we're all grateful for that person, whoever that person is in your life. What's your wife's name? Caroline. Shout out to Caroline. Yeah, sweet right. Caroline. Every time we yeah. go to the football games sweet or basketball Caroline. games and they play Sweet Caroline, she hates it. But we're, <laughs> my kids love it. Yeah, she's amazing. She is the sweetest person. She gives the best hugs. So if you ever meet her, she's going to give you this huge hug. But yeah, well done, she's Caroline. pushed me through a lot of really dark times with my health, with my business, just with things that we've gone through with our kids. And um, yeah, I, I just, I there's not a world where I see myself happy and and finding these wins along the way without without her that's incredible that's great well and it's interesting i i was just gonna go back to what jake was saying a minute ago that uh, when your back's against the wall and there's not a lot of options it's interesting to see how people respond to that sometimes they rise to the occasion like you did right other times it just breaks them and uh, i think it just that shows a lot of uh, you know, who, who that person is or their character maybe. And, um, it, it really worked out well for you. And so also your spouse cool. too. Like I love and that. Spouse like, too, yeah. Cause her back was against the wall too. Oh yeah. Like, right. And it's we like had a, broken backs for a long we're time. <laughs> yeah. And we're doubling yeah. down. Like, yeah, we're just going to do it. I yeah. just love Make that this so happen. much. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I'm sure it hasn't all, all been rainbows. I mean, I, I've been on your LinkedIn, so I kind of have some of the background, but uh, do you want to talk about some of the challenges you faced? Yeah, this yeah. Business? I, th I think, you, I think you, you have, I don't know, I discovered this early in my entrepreneurial journey. You have naive confidence is what I call it. Every entrepreneur or visionary has. That. And thank goodness we have that. Otherwise, we wouldn't do <laughs> it, wouldn't right? Do it, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think I'm better at taking intelligent risks now 
with the naive confidence and vision. Um, but we had a lot of naive confidence going into this. Um, we just thought, okay, Dan has a lot of business experience. He'll figure it out. But what was interesting is I'm pretty open about my faith and, and uh, the inspiration I received to start my company really came from God. And, and um, that was an easier conversation to have with my wife because she had that same inspiration. And that's been a part of our decision making this entire time. I don't know how people do it without it. It's way too hard. And, um, and I, I've been open about it because when people ask me, should I start a business? I'm like, you're asking the wrong person. Like, I didn't even know. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea I was supposed to do this. And I received that inspiration and moved forward with it. And now my goal every single day, I was just talking to another entrepreneur today that said this last week, I wanted to quit and give up. And I just told him, I said, Maybe, maybe it's time, maybe it's not. But the one question you should ask yourself is, are you in, in alignment? And if you're in alignment, continue on this path. If you're not in alignment, figure out how to get in alignment. And whether you believe in God or the universe or trees or, you know, energy, whatever it is, you know when you're not in alignment. And if you keep going down that path, it's a path, you know, this it's this, it's not a yellow brick road. It's it, bumpy. Yeah, it's very bumpy. And you're still going to have a bumpy road if you're in alignment. That's the other thing I learned is just because you're following inspiration and you're in alignment does not mean it's going to be easy. I, I think our path has actually been more difficult. Um, and we face more challenges, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, but we feel in alignment. So we feel confident in taking another step. And so that's been the difference. And and little did I know that Sturry actually saved my life um, is the bottom line. I, I thought I was starting this to tell everybody else's stories um, and and produce these films. But really, just a few years ago, it, it was one of those full circle moments where I'm like, ah, I'm not in control here. <laughs> I thought I was in control of my own destiny here. And I think in many ways we are, but there's somebody else pulling the strings. And that happened when I was I was filming a, a story, a documentary that we were working on, and I was interviewing a doctor when my health just had plummeted the last few years. And I've been dealing with these these health challenges for a long, long time, since I was 10 years old, and I'm 37 now, but they just got worse and worse over time. And I had a blood clot at the time. We were worried about a pulmonary embolism. We're, like I just was not doing well. And um, interviewing that doctor literally you know preserved my life and if i wouldn't have started story i wouldn't have been sitting interviewing this doctor that knew what i had and i had seen doctors for years and years that had no clue what i had and i felt like i was dying because i actually was and nobody knew why and at that time i didn't know i wasn't getting blood flow back to my heart when i was sitting and standing and um because i started story and was telling this story and I was, I was interviewing this doctor, and she asked me what was going on with my health. She happened to know, happened, right? It wasn't a coincidence. What, what syndromes I had, what rare syndromes I had that none of these doctors knew about or had missed. And um, I was diagnosed with all of those things after that. And so when you get to that point where you're like, is this worth it? I think it's worth it if you're in alignment, take another step because it, it might just save your life too. And whether that's like me physically or, or metaphorically, um, that's why it's worth it. That's why this entrepreneurial journey is worth it is because it, it could 
save your life in so many different areas. Wow. So, um, sounds like some of those hard times you had were, were health related, right? Yeah. And you're on a better trajectory now. Sounds like. Yeah. It's a lifelong battle that apparently I signed up for in some other life. <laughs> Cause I, I think it's a little crazy to think about that, but I, yeah, like we're on a better trajectory last year. We weren't, mm. you know, we were having the really difficult conversations about what if I don't make it? And my kids knew that my wife knew that and doing legal documents that nobody wants to, you know, draw up. And, and so thankfully I had, I had a major operation this last, um, April. I just passed my one year mark. Um, it was called a kidney auto transplant and they had just pioneered a few months before my surgery. Instead of getting somebody else's kidney, they actually saved my own kidney and moved it down near my pelvis. So you can't take a shot in my back and hit my kidney. You probably just won't know where it is. <laughs> it's down in a different spot now. But that improved the blood flow back to my heart and, and preserved my life. And I'm coming on. I, I just hit my 12-month mark, like I said, and, and we're just now I'm, I'm in this phase where I've just I've faced reality a little bit to say, okay, at any point this could get worse, but right now I'm progressing. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy life and keep adding things to my life and keep healing as long as I, I can do that. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. It's not an easy place, but it's a better place than I was, was at 12 months ago for sure. It's probably a huge reality check for you at the time too, wasn't it? Oh yeah. To hear all those things and, and have that news and changes someone's perspective quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, you think you're unstoppable until <laughs> you have one of those things and you go, oh, yeah, I'm, we're human. Like, I can't control all of these things. Like, no matter how hard I work or how good I take care of myself, there might be something out of your control that can just, at any point, sideline you. I think it's the same with business, right? Like, you're running your business and, and obviously you're going down this path. You think you know where you're going, but you hit roadblocks, right? So do you have stories about how that's happened with Sturry and, and then how you kind of overcome, overcome those challenges? Too many to count. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I feel like... Uh, By the way, we call those midnight founder moments on the podcast. Yeah. You're <laughs> right. up at midnight, you're trying to figure things out. That's like Nothing every, seems to be working. every midnight. <laughs> yeah. like, exactly. Because I, you think you know what you're doing, and then the next day you're like, oh, I'm working with humans that are, <laughs> there's variables, you know, right. and... I'm working with processes that have variables and clients that have variables. So I, I've had a lot of those. Um, and I, I had a lot of those, more of those over the last year because I've been more intentional about how I spend my time and what I want my business to become. And um, we've failed fast, I would say, faster over the last year. And we've made some big decisions to pivot because we had to eat lots of humble pie that kept getting served to us over and over again. Um, because we weren't doing things very well. Um, and one of those things has just been our, our sales process. Like we were, we were getting referrals. That's mostly how Sturry was built was referrals. And we never learned how to scale that. And I mean, we've been doing this for seven years. And so what does that bring these crazy downturns in the roller coaster and whips around corners? Um, and blind, being blindsided because we didn't prepare ourselves for that stuff and we didn't create reserves. We didn't create systems that were replicable. And so over the last year, we just said, look, even if we have to halt some of the, the growth for a while, 
we're going to like practice getting in the car and putting our seatbelt on in the roller coaster. And, and before we take off, we're going to actually do this right. And uh, I feel like we were losing bodies out of the roller coaster because we just, as an entrepreneur, you're like, let's go, go, go. We got to capitalize on this, capitalize on this. And, and we were capitalizing on the right opportunities, but we just had no idea how to scale those. And so we've spent a lot of money and time and energy and just mental exertion over the last year trying to figure out how do we make Sturry a scalable company. And, and we've made that transition mentally as a company, and it's been pretty cool to watch because we, we talk about it differently, we, we make decisions differently, and it's exciting. We're back on this crazy ride, but at least we feel like we control our destiny a little bit more. That's so cool. So it sounds like you've almost done not a pivot, but um, just much more intentional about V2 of Sturry, for example. Yeah. Is that, is that right? Yeah. An accurate description? Yeah. Like we, we had no recurring revenue model in our company. We were just a service-based business. Mm -hmm. And when our consultant, Curtis, um, spent some time with me, he helped me discover these, uh, my own answers. And one of them was like, you built a really crappy revenue model <laughs> and it was, it was humbling and it, and it kind of sucked to hear it and discover that and be like, Oh, all of these painful moments were self-inflicted wounds. And me as the visionary has to take responsibility over that. And so I had to come to my team and say, Hey guys, I know I've been pushing you to, to make the company better, but guess what? I, I did it wrong. Um, and we need to do it better. And my employees were awesome contractors were awesome. Everybody that works with us was just like, we believe in you. We'll, we'll figure it out. So I, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been painful to uncover some of that stuff, but it's absolutely necessary. Cool. Shows a lot of humility on your part. I That's think cool. I was forced to be <laughs> humble. Maybe. I think there's something to the fact though, that you, you got in such a, like a dire health situation and your company survived. So I think that probably says two things that you have a great team behind you, I do. but you're also a great leader because you kept that great team together, even in that situation. So congratulations. I think oh, that's thanks. awesome. I agree. And they stepped up at the time you needed it. So they did. Like, it, yeah. it was really cool. The f I have, I've had two major operations in the last two years. The first time around was a totally different experience than the second time. Second time I was way more prepared. I, I had learned how to delegate better. I had learned how to do so many things that you read about in all the business books that are really hard to actually do. Um, and you have to be, you know, maybe compelled to be humble to be able to do some of that stuff. First time around, I, I, it was super scary to go into a surgery, A, wondering if you were gonna make it and your company would survive, and B, did I train everybody, delegate everybody in a way where like when I come back, it's not a complete, you know what? Train you know? wreck. <laughs> yeah. Dumpster fire. Yeah. Dumpster fire. That's, <laughs> that's not what was in my mind. But, <laughs> um, but the second time around I came back and yeah, sure. Some of the sales and some of the things that I worked on had slowed down obviously, but, but the operation was like running and I was like, do you guys you need me anymore? <laughs> like, can I take more time to heal? You know, it was pretty awesome. It was, it was this, it was an amazing feeling to come back to that kind of environment. Yeah. I've had, I've had great teams in the past and, and being able to empower the people below you is really, it's gratifying, but it's also liberating. 
It so, is, and I and yeah. I hadn't learned it for so many years, and I thought I was a good delegator. I thought yeah. I was a good, you know, trainer. I thought I was all these things, and then, like, just being compelled to be humble and having this experience that was out of my control was like, oh my gosh, I was a terrible delegator. <laughs> like, and I was terrible at hiring. That was another thing that I'm like, oh, I I recognize great talent, and and I I've hired great talent over the years, but maybe I just got lucky because now I'm like. I, I shouldn't be just hiring everybody because I see the potential in everybody and I've involved other people in that process and our hiring is like so much better than when I did it. Um, and that's just one example of like 30 things that I discovered were flaws of mine as an entrepreneur. And I'm like, ah, okay, all these business books I read in college and, you know, for years, like these are sound principles if you apply them. And I was not applying them. It's hmm. good uh introspection love that well um what's what's next then for Sturry and for you dan and what what are you excited about what's coming up on the horizon yeah i, I think that's a great question loaded question because there's there's a lot but i but i also am like really passionate and excited about the future and, and a because i i have uh i have time with my family you know and forget business and all that other stuff like I get to I get to hug my kids. I get to be upright. Um, I get to I'm coaching tonight two of my kids' games back to back. Would have never dreamed of doing that 12 months ago, you know. Um, and so that's that's my pro- priority right now. Uh, my priority is my family, making sure I get to spend quality time with them, and business is second, not the other way around. And I did that did that wrong for a lot of years. Um, and so I'm just excited to see, I catch myself asking what's next with my physical health. Like, What more can I do? Can we go camping? Can we go, I'm going to hopefully buy a motorcycle to go dirt biking again, you know, and I hadn't done that for a long, long time. Um, I'm going to go spend more time in nature. I went on a hike this week for the you know first time in a really long time. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I have a business to run on the side, but I'm enjoying just being here. And, and what's next for Sturry is, we're creating a scalable company now. We're actually building a technology that uses the story process that we would do when we would sit across somebody and interview them, like like I shared with Derek's story, but actually making that a digital experience and allowing anybody to go through the story experience, discover their story and share that with the world. And then we've um, created a an app called Story Plus that distributes all of this content. We've filmed over 250 stories and we'll film over 300 by the time this year's over. And we're going to have this massive library repository of all these stories that we've filmed over the years in one place now that we control an environment and a community. And so those are things that I'm, I'm super excited about. And now we can invite everybody to partake, you know, of these inspirational stories and the influence that they have. So we're turning into more of a technology company than I, I thought we would in the very beginning, but combining that with our production services and everything is is really exciting because it's it's such a good marriage. More sustainable, yeah. And uh, you're now Curtis can say your business, your uh, revenue model doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. He said he said it, it's funny when I first started working with him, he was explaining all these analogies, and I'm like, that's me. 
asked me like they, <laughs> they were like what you shouldn't do as an entrepreneur and it's like you shouldn't wander in the foothills and i'm like yeah i wander in the foothills. <laughs> he's like you should be climbing the summit and i'm like yeah i'm not climbing the summit and then he's like you shouldn't be wrestling alligators and i'm like yeah i wrestle a lot of alligators every day <laughs> check 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 and now All part of the entrepreneur's paradox yeah, right? yeah. exactly yeah. like and it's fun to actually see that we're grasping onto these concepts, but we're also practicing them. And, and so I'm spending a little less time wandering in the foothills, you know, kicking rocks and, uh, and I'm trying to scale the, the mountain now. That's cool. So uh, how do the, I, I think we kind of touched on this earlier about how they watch the videos, but if there are companies out there that want to kind of use you as a way to tell their story, um, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, super simple. You just go to story.com. Um, we have a, a button on there where you can get a quote and contact us and just tell us what your story needs are. And, and we've figured out a model that works with anybody's budget. We can create stories and content, um, which we hadn't figured out before. And that's part of what we're doing to be scalable. So, uh, we'd love to tell your stories. We'd love to tell founder stories. We'd love to tell the, the customer stories. Um, and we're good at finding great stories. If you don't know what stories to tell in your business, we can help you figure that out. And that's that's the part of the process I, I actually really love is helping them figure those out. So that that's the best way to, to contact us uh, is through our site. Cool. Great. And we survive by stories, don't we, as human beings? Yeah. So that's awesome. You're helping us. That's what you guys are doing here. Human race telling stories. Strong. Yeah, there we go. Well, it's been so fun to have you on the podcast. We look forward to what's new and what's what's going to happen and, and the future for you. So thank you. Thanks for supporting us. Appreciate it. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.